everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ad Project Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Shelley from Ad Advance, and today I am joined by Mr. Matt Wickland. Matt, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Yeah. We haven't podcasted all year. It's a good one. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. I always love the New Year's jokes. Yeah. yeah. It's so corny. <laughs> Yeah. So we are, as Matt just said, we're recording right after the beginning of the new year. And so it's always fun to take a look at the digital landscape as a whole. The digital advertising landscape changes so quickly. Um, And so previously we've done different predictions, kind of looking forward to the next year. They're all right too. And yes, we've never missed one. We should probably do like a recap of previous (laughs) predictions, but that wouldn't be as fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so for this episode, what we want to do is just kind of give our general thoughts and predictions on, you know, what we see coming up next year, where we see the industry heading as a whole, um, and where we see ourselves kind of focusing as a whole going forward for next year. Um, so I don't know, Matt, I mean, maybe I'll let you kick it off. Okay. Yeah. So if you have to look forward to like this upcoming year, what's some general trends that you see or things that you think are going to change out there? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, the first one that comes to mind is artificial intelligence. Sure. So 2023 was really the year of AI, but in the digital advertising landscape, there hasn't been a ton of like integrated features with the major ad exchanges, uh, you know, the Google's, Facebook's, Amazon's of the world. Um, Google, yes, but it's not worked into actual advertising results yet. And I'd expect that to happen. Mm -hmm. So what that looks like is going to be very different for each platform. Like what Google does is going to look different from Amazon. But given that it's mostly like text-based, you know, I'd expect like, you know, additional AI-based search results, search prompting, triggering, unique ad placements or whatever. What do you think? Like, how will AI? Yeah, I mean, so let's kind of break it apart on we can do audiences, we can do creatives, you know, so maybe we'll start with like audiences. Um, And you can even take this to like campaign creation as a whole. But for audience as a whole, um, I continue to expect especially the major players to keep working on fine tuning their auto targeting capabilities. Um, and so for this, like what we've seen with Google throughout the years is it was a very manual process for how you would set up and optimize Google ads. And now it's gone to, you know, just set up your performance max campaigns and that's it, you know, and then they'll optimize a lot of things around it. So there's obviously a lot more customization and things that you can do around that. <laughs> yeah. We won't go there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so where I see things moving is a lot more automated targeting. And I feel like the automated targeting is going to get better. Is it going to do better than what folks like, say, us or business owners or different things like that can do with their intuition? That's still a major question mark. And that's why you give the hesitancy on you can just set this up and run it. and You're good to go. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, because there's still so much intuition that AI struggles to pick up on. Um, But I continue to see folks going in that direction. And privacy updates kind of push it in that direction too. Because if you give less targeting capabilities, but keep everything kind of behind this black box, 
um, from a privacy perspective too, that may also look better to the end consumer. Um, and so from the audience standpoint, I see folks continuing to push more towards like auto setups of different campaign structures. I agree. Yeah. Another interesting bit too, like from a privacy standpoint in the way more traditional AI language models like ChatGPT could come into the picture would be uh, through like third-party data providers to ad exchanges like Amazon DSP. There are a ton of third-party audiences from Oracle, uh, the major credit, Equifax, you know, these are major data providers to Amazon and Google and other places. Like people share so much information with these conversational models like ChatGPT. Um, it's kind of a unique source of data that could be used for audience targeting with DSPs in the future too. Sure. Like yeah. Microsoft, for example, you know, Bing has ChatGPT integrated into it. Um, tons of people use it. It could be interesting to see what Microsoft, how Microsoft ropes that into their audience targeting. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be a very interesting year to see how these models continue to progress. And if they lean more towards the subscription model, like what ChatGPT is doing, or if they try to monetize it. If you try to monetize it, there's a ton of different privacy concerns right. that goes into that. You know, when you're having a conversation, like one, it's less creepy to show relevant ads that pop up, say like what Google's AI model does right. or Bing, but to use the information that I provide in those conversations, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's weird because it's like a Google search. It's kind of doing the exact same thing. Yeah. And that's just been like, yep, this is just normal. I'm going to use this in targeting capabilities and I search for something and I see get retargeted everywhere for it. Um, it's weird weirder when you're having kind of a conversation with that bot <laughs> is it weirder if it's in bing though you know like a search yeah. engine where it's serving search ads i, I know it's kind of segmented sure it is it is a little bit yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and so i think it's a very interesting question i don't have a good prediction for this i think people are going to lean away to being able to use specific targeting data with conversations with these chatbots um just it, Maybe it's just me. It feels like it kind of crosses this threshold, but maybe not. And maybe it's just the context that goes along with it. Like if it's Bing and I search for like, what's a good set of golf clubs? Like, you know, that's pretty equivalent for me searching best golf clubs in the search bar. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I mean, has that really stopped companies from doing it before though? Like yeah. Equifax, Sure. you know, getting a credit check when you're buying a new car and filling out all this personal information and then they're farming it out to a bunch of DSPs. Like, sure. That's pretty creepy, right? Like that's a different use of your information than what you expected. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And this is where Matt and I have been having some fun too. So you can request your any personal information from different providers. Um, and so we've been going through that exercise just to see what these data sets look like. You know, I, I was setting up a Roku TV. And it's like, I'm interested to see what they actually track there yeah, and how they tie it back and then where that data is shared and everything. So um, I think we're getting into a big thing. Like, so first party data, <laughs> 2024, it's going to be even more critical as we go. Yeah. Uh, Good because segue. these privacy updates, like, and these privacy conversations are becoming more and more to the forefront. Um, and people are much more aware of how their data is used, or even if they're not aware, 
they get that creepy factor when you just talk about something, all of a sudden it's showing up <laughs> with ads when you're browsing around. Um, and so first party data is going to become more and more critical as you start seeing more and more privacy updates on, especially like Apple leading the way, but Google Chrome, they're rolling out different updates. Like yeah. Android has much more controls on privacy, whereas it didn't as much before. Um, and so the power of first party data is going to be so critical going forward. And if we look at the trends, who has huge amounts of first party data? Well, it's actual retail players. And so it's Walmart, it's Amazon, it's Target, it's Sam's Club, because they are the closest to the purchase. Um, and so that's why we're expecting to see so much growth in the retail media space, which is the advertising space tied to these different retailers um, going forward. And so Amazon's definitely led the way for that. Um, and their first party data set is amazing. Um, but other retailers are definitely catching on. Walmart's making great strides. Target's working really hard to get their ad platforms going. And these other retail um, players are definitely digging in to see how they can utilize that. Um, and so this is gonna be the year of first party data of retail media as a whole. And as a digital advertiser, whether or not you sell on these platforms, you can use the first party insights for it. And so I think this is gonna be a year two where a lot of other brands that are not specific, maybe they don't sell physical products, but for instance, say I sell a subscription service for exercise, like club, um, you know, if I could target folks who um, from first party data insights are buying a lot of supplements or mats or gym equipment or different things like that, I, I could find those right people a lot easier. And so um, I would say first party data, retail media, those are all going to be huge. Yeah. And where it gets interesting too with all of these different retailers using first party and deprecation of like third party tracking, um, the walled garden effect, you know, now we have all of these compartmentalized channels of, you know, Kroger, Amazon, Walmart, Target, and so on and so forth. And we're definitely not going to share the data with exactly. each other. Yeah. They're retail, it's competitors. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's really creating like a community of walled gardens where nothing's really shared, not a community even, sure. you know, just like <laughs> these isolated islands. Yeah. Um, so that makes measurements or like single sourcing your budget to a, to a platform really tricky. So increased channel adoption is likely for brands. Um, I think if they want to succeed, but it also like brings up issues of measurement and trying to figure out those budget allocations, where to invest. For sure. For sure. Uh, and so just measuring the impact of the ads gets extremely difficult. Um, so say you're using multiple different channels um, and I have retargeting set up. Well, they say they come to my site. Now I retarget with Facebook and Google and Amazon DSP. Um, and then they come back and they purchase. Well, that sale could get attributed to all three platforms. <laughs> and so my sale could look really good, but what ad truly had like the incremental impact, it's going to be very difficult to measure. So that's going to be one major challenge. Um, another major challenge is just how attribution is even measured. Um, and so just even trying to have consistency throughout these different channels on how attribution is measured. Like that's one thing that feedback that we always get for, especially like Amazon's DSP is 
a lot of people don't trust the attribution model. And I think people have been burnt in the past and maybe just use very bottom of funnel, like retargeting approaches that didn't have much incrementality, but had a lot of attributed sales. Um, just how these items are measured and the consistency between the channels um, is a, another major challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And just cross shopping across platforms. If you're advertising with Target, Amazon, Walmart, you could see ads for a product on any one of those retailers and you go buy it from Amazon, like Amazon gets the sale, the spend still occurs in those other places. Like sure. you could advertise in a single channel, generate sales elsewhere. They could look super profitable. Yeah. It's yeah, it's tricky. Yeah. yeah. So kind of tying back to AI. So if I'm sitting there and I'm the head of Amazon advertising. Like, what I see right now is like, we have our software that we build out in house and building out a solid campaign structure throughout all the different ad types, cross sharing targets, cross sharing keywords, making sure that bids are set up right. It is a huge undertaking. Like, Matt, you've designed the software. <laughs> like, I've walked through line by line what it looks like and like, you know, just the naming conventions that need to happen, the flows yeah. that need to happen between them. Like it is a huge undertaking. If you can do it right, like you can, it's a major advantage, but it's also a major burden for sellers and brands. And they, we have to have complex software to be able to do this and do it right. Um, at the same time, Amazon has like this beautiful product detail page that's consistent across all different products. And so if I am the head of Amazon ads, I'm looking at a solid way where I can set up that campaign creation across all the different ad types yeah, Totally, with creatives that are customized and pulled right out of the product detail page. Like there is so much friction there and it's helpful for folks like us because we can set it up and we can utilize it well. And I'm sure there's always going to be instances that are, we're going to be able to do it a lot better because there's customization that comes into it. Um, but if you could simplify the setup process between all these different ad types and make more of a general auto campaign that ties them all in, it has to perform well, but just even starting there, you're going to get, remove so much friction in the process. And I, I'm sure that this is happening in the yeah. background, like, but there's so much work that goes into it right now. And it has to be able to get easier. Yeah. It just makes me so uneasy though. Like they have to, there have been so many like increased ad placements offsite, especially like every sponsored ad now has some offsite component to it. Sponsored products. It's serving offsite ads in the background. Just a few, you know, a very, very small percentage right now, but it's happening. Yeah. Sponsored display product targeting audience, targeting all these different audience types, categories, like the contextual product targets versus regular product targets um, for sponsored brands too. You know, they've moved to like theme-based campaigns for sponsored brands and sponsored display. Um, and I'm sure that's going to expand a lot more themes uh, for each different channel. But I think that eventually they're going to kind of merge and there'll be a performance max or Amazon max, whatever type of ad product sure. that they'll roll out. I don't love that idea though, because like what we can do outside of performance max is better than just using performance max. And sure. then they're like, 
gating off some targeting options within, you know, if you want these placements, you can only do it through performance max and yep. pulling features from the other campaign types. And I just hate the idea of losing control. Yes, it is complex to build out this super like interconnected, but tall campaign structure, but it works really well. We have complete control over it. I just worry about losing control, how we invest our budget, to, where we bid, where the placements are. Yeah. You have to generalize so much to set up something like that. Yeah. And you would need extremely advanced AI and a huge data set to be able to do that. <laughs> and so that's the one piece where I feel a little bit more confident that it definitely can be done. But at the same time, there's a core reason why we don't just let our software run. <laughs> like, like, yes, it runs in the background, but that's why we're here. There's so many different pieces that go into each of these campaigns based off of strategy and product and competitors and season and everything else like that, that there's no way that we feel like we can optimize it all and not leave room on the table. Yeah. And so that's the, that's the give and take you have with that. Like, you know, for a brand new seller coming in, having something like that just set up, like I'm sure it's going to be leagues ahead of where they're at. Um, yes, you lose a ton of control. Yeah. I mean, there are major performance disparities across all the different ad placements mm -hmm. and Amazon has a track record of only setting positive multipliers when you're rolling out adjustments, you sure. know, you can only which, increase, which increases spend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you can't balance per, like performance by placement truly effectively when you can't go below zero for underperforming, you know, placements or even time of day, like Amazon rolled out rule-based hourly bid changes. You can only increase it during great, you know, the hours that you want, you can't decrease it. Yep. And so if they roll that out, I'll, I hope that there'll be like some toggles where you can reduce. Sure. Um, yeah. To give that extra element of control. Yeah. Makes me nervous. Yeah. I I'm agree. a skeptic though. So I, I, well, yeah. And if something like that did get rolled out, uh, we would, we would split test it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure our, our system would perform a lot better because it's customized to each individual person. Um, over time. Yeah. I could see it continuing to prove after, after the data set. So if I were, if I were sitting on the other side, that's where I would be working on. Cause right now it is extremely complicated, especially for a new seller coming in with all the different ad and targeting types extremely complex and we see it day to day as we as we structure things out yeah yeah another key piece that i see happening in the next year is especially like on the amazon side sponsored ad placements are pretty much saturated on amazon.com i don't feel like you can add many more ads without jeopardizing the customer experience um and so now for amazon advertising growth next big piece is going to be offsite placements. And so whether that's through prime video, um, so they're starting to roll out ads for all prime video subscribers, unless you pay, I think it's like three bucks a month, um, to get that ad free version. I think it's more, but you may yeah. be right. 40 bucks a year. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So you got to pay some more or you, there's more ads there. Um, or continuing to build up third-party placements, whether it's on new sites or weather.com or wherever else it is. Um, see that as a huge focus going forward um, is now, okay, if ad placements are saturated on the site itself for sponsored ads, what's the next way we can utilize the first-party data? And that's through 
advertising off the site, whether that's on video or on third-party sites. Yeah. I think streaming will grow tremendously in 2024, um, especially like for off Amazon placements. um, Streaming inventory, video inventory is so great. Like oftentimes you're watching on your device. When you're watching linear TV, a commercial comes on, what do you do? You whip out your phone and you start scrolling, right? Like you just auto tune out tons of back-to-back commercials. Streaming is typically when the user's most engaged when they start the program. Oftentimes they're watching on their device already, so you're not going to back out. It's non-skippable. Um, you're inventory. logged in. Yeah. So, you know, when we get into like attribution and everything, it makes it much easier. Yeah. If we look at more specific targeting, this is really fun now because instead of linear for, you know, the standard Miller Lite commercial that everyone sees, now we can get a much more targeted ad for you know, what people are truly interested in. So my hope as an advertiser is that these ads become more engaging Yeah, because people are actually interested in the products too. Um, but yeah, I think 2024 is going to be the year <laughs> where we really see linear TV advertisers move over to streaming. It's already been in place, you know, linear TV hit below 50% on the latest Nielsen ratings from July, August, sometime for him. Um, and so it's just going to keep moving that way as we go. Um, let's see what other ones I, so general sponsored ads. Um, so placements feel like they're saturated. Um, yeah. So can increase placements feel like competition's still going to go up. Um, so CPC is, I still predict they're going to grow, not as much as like pandemic time period. We, we definitely saw it level out throughout 2023, but still grow. Um, see CPC is growing more. And I think for an Amazon or an e-commerce seller, like really focusing on lifetime value and can you create repeat purchases or how do you increase that overall margin? You're just going to have to do that because it's going it's so competitive, uh, um, whether it's increase in fees or now increase in cost per click. Um, it's just going to keep getting harder. Yeah. In that aspect. I could see like geolocation multipliers rolling out where you can increase your bidding for certain geos. Um, sure. Potentially, you know, that helps you become more targeted, but will inflate CPCs as, yeah. as a side effect. Yeah. Um, but for sponsored, like, I think it's going to come down to, to measurement again. Uh, you talked about LTV. There's no good source outside of AMC for lifetime value right now for Amazon brands. And that's crazy because it's such a valuable metric. Um, sponsored products, new to brand acquisition. Like, I want to know that, but we can only get it through AMC. I would expect, like, a lot of the insights to expand this year. Uh, yeah, more insights, more analytics, be- better measurement. Sure. Yeah. Yep. I, I agree. I think one other prediction for me is we're going to see some pretty dramatic growth from other channels. Um, so Walmart, very bullish on and what yeah. they've been doing on the ad side. Um, I've been a very loyal Amazon customer. I find myself shopping at Walmart more. You're a Walmart um, Plus member, aren't you? I'm a, yeah. I got a Walmart <laughs> Plus member. It was a deal for a TV. And if I signed up, I got it for three months free. But what I found is that I'm using it a lot. Like we're, we're up in Duluth, Minnesota. So you take I-35 until where it ends and that's where we live. So it's about two hours north of the Twin Cities in Minnesota. Um, 
we're a couple hours drive away from the nearest Amazon warehouse. And so same day delivery does not exist up here. But for Walmart, we've got Walmarts all over the place. And so I found myself using it quite a bit and same day delivery has been awesome. Yeah. Um, and so I see e-commerce side on Walmart continuing to expand. Um, I see the ad platform on Walmart continuing to grow quickly. Um, and what's really exciting with Walmart is just the brick and mortar presence combined with the digital side. Um, and how you can utilize that as an advertiser. So whether it's like, you know, video ads that are showing in the aisle at the stores or being able to use like both brick and mortar targeting, but then using that data for the digital side too. Um, there's a wealth of first party data um, and I'm excited to see how they unlock that. Me too. Yeah. Um, any other key pieces that stick out to you that we missed? I was trying to think of like a really bold hot take, you know, something a little spicy, controversial. Sure. And I'm drawing a blank. Any like bold out there predictions on your end? Or do we roll through the, the list? <sighs> Make a wild one. I don't know <laughs> if I have any wild ones. I mean, sponsored ads, especially on the Amazon side, it's going to be more incremental improvements, but I don't see anything major coming up. Like, you know, the sponsored TV ads, those were cool. Um, but I think if you're a major investor in it, you're going to go to Amazon's DSP. I see DSP growing quite a bit just with the streaming targeting options, along with reaching people off of Amazon. I think that's going to be a huge growth area. I see expanding to other channels being a huge growth area for e-commerce brands. Um, so the, whether that's Walmart or Target or the multitude of other retailers that are out there and then figuring out how to utilize those tools. Allocating between channels gonna be extremely difficult um, due to the walled gardens and just differences in attribution. Um, yeah. I've got a bold take. Okay. What do you got? The first uh, placement in search results, the very first one at top of search is gonna become an organic placement. It's not going to be top of search sponsored anymore. Okay. I'm extremely <laughs> skeptical. <laughs> I just, yeah. Yep. Grasping. It's yep. but yeah. Well, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it'll happen. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll write that one down. We'll, we'll <laughs> revisit the bold take. I mean, I, I'm cheating because I'm not even really giving. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like that. So, yeah. I mean, if anything, 2024 is going to be another year of constant change. We're excited for it. Um, and for the podcast too, really looking to build, like we've been focused a lot on Amazon as we've been talking through different things, but now as we're Walmart connect partners, we're starting to get into the other, other platforms, say like target, um, we're going to start covering more and more of these different retail media channels more coming up in 2024 for the podcast too. So, um, it'll be fun because we'll be able to cross compare and, you know, as, as e-commerce brands keep growing, like it's not just Amazon brands anymore. You've got to be in multiple different channels, whether it's direct to consumer, or, um, through these different shopping areas. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. Well, Matt, happy 2024. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yep. And happy Thanks New Year listening. to everyone who is listening. And we will see you on the next episode of The Ad Project.